If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that my daughters are both adopted. Now, my oldest was born at the end of July, and we took her home a few days later in early August. That meant I had a few weeks before school started to spend time with my new baby daughter. And I know that for men at my time, I had more days with my newborn child than men typically had. These were the days before family leave. So I think under contract, if it was during the school year, I only received three days for the birth of a child as a husband. And I remember the first day I had to go into work. I looked at my little daughter in her crib and I said a simple prayer for her for that day kissed her on the forehead, and left for work. In a few weeks, my wife needed to go back to work, and she was handed over to the care of a friend who we paid to be our daycare, in a sense. She was raising her own child who was only about a year older than ours. But every morning before I left for work, I would say a simple prayer over my daughter and kiss her on the forehead. But that changed when we graduated from a simple daycare situation with our family friend and put her into nursery school. Now it just wasn't one little girl she was running around with in a house, but a classroom of children her age. So to my simple prayer, I added, you can call it a blessing or a simple guide to handling the school environment from a teacher's perspective. I, I began to think, when I look at my students, who are the most successful? And I do not mean successful in terms of grades. I mean successful in terms of navigating school, how to do well in the classroom, how to do well with your teacher, and most importantly, how to do well with your peers. At that time, I had been a teacher for about 15 years and I observed a lot. So when my second daughter was born, I just said the same thing to her that I said to her older sister. I just changed the, the name at the beginning of this little prayer and blessing. So stay tuned to your parent-teacher conference if you wanna know my daily tips to my daughters to be successful in school. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host. Thank you for listening today. I really appreciate it. I'm recording this episode as we've turned the corner away from Thanksgiving, heading to the holiday season. Uh, my wife has thrown up all the Christmas lights outside, and all that we're waiting for now is just getting our Christmas tree. You know, pretty interesting with that. When I was a kid, we always had a fake Christmas tree, and that always annoyed me. I wanted a real one, and my mother used to always say, there ain't no way I'm getting a real tree because when it comes down to it, I'm the one who's going to have to clean up the needles. I'm the one who's going to need to keep it watered. We're going to have to find out a way to get rid of it. I lived in a suburban area, kind of just out of the city. We lived on a small, I would say 60 by 80 foot lot, packed houses. There wasn't a woods I could just throw it in. So she always said, when you own the house, you can get a real tree. And the funny thing is, from my first apartment I rented in Connecticut, I would even though I was by myself, I always made sure to get a real tree. 
And my wife, when I married her, she she was all on board. She wanted nothing but a real tree, no fake tree for us. My oldest daughter, who I referenced in the beginning of the episode, she came up to us this year and said, I want a fake tree. <laughs> so I had to tell her about the fight I would have with my mom to get a real tree. And her arguments were sound. She used my gra- her grandmother, my mother's arguments of, you don't have to clean up the needles. You don't have to worry about it dying on you. Our dog, you don't have to worry about our dog licking up the water in the tree holder. And she even said, you know, in the long run, it'll be cheaper, right? We buy a tree for a couple of hundred dollars. It's going to pay for itself in about five or six years where we don't have to keep on spending about a hundred dollars on a tree that's, you know, real. All sounds arguments by my daughter. I was pretty proud of her. And I told her now we're going to get a real tree because that's what we do. We get the real tree. But speaking of my oldest daughter, I started this episode talking about the blessing and the prayer that I say over her and her younger sister every day, just to give you some ideas. Now, I've often said in the episode, I am a Christian, so the prayer is going to be, even the blessing, it's going to have some elements of Christianity in, in it. But I would just hope that you take the ideas of it and maybe fit it into your situation. I'm not saying that I have this idea down pat. I, I'm never saying that. These are just my opinions, and some of them you're, I know you're going to agree with fully. Some of them you're going to be like, I agree with 80% of it. I'm going to tweak 20% of it, maybe half and half. Maybe you don't agree, agree at all with something I've said on this episode or on previous episodes. And that's even good, too, when you're in, we're in full disagreement because it makes, it allows you to sharpen why you believe what you believe, correct? Like, I'm not offended when people challenge me on Christianity. I've heard some really good arguments. I've heard some really weak arguments. I've heard some really weak arguments that people think are really strong arguments. But at the end of the day, I've heard a lot on both sides, and I am comfortable that I place my faith where I want to place my faith. I think we all do that. But continue listening, because it's really not heavy on the religion stuff. But I think it will give you some insight of what you can do with your own child. If you like this episode, in the end, you say to yourself, hey, he brought up some great points about what a parent should be telling their child as they enter school. Remember, I'm seeing this from, as a teacher, when I look at my students, these are the things that I believe successful students have. And again, let me emphasize, although some of those successful students are A, straight A students, not all of them are. Because we're talking about more than just the grades. We're talking about the complete school experience. What makes these kids on a whole successful? But if you like what you hear and and you know a friend this could help, just tell them, hey, go on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, type in the Parent Teacher Conference Podcast. You're going to see a guy with a baseball hat with a coffee mug covering his mug. Look for the episode, The Blessing. And you can even say, if you're not into the religious aspect, say, I know it sounds like a religious talk. I think at the end you're going to say, but it really isn't. And you should take a lesson because it will help you help your child navigate school better. Remember the Parent Teacher Conference podcast you can find on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Of course, you can find where you can copy this link. Often it's in a box with an arrow pointing up and it'll say copy link or it's there's three dots you pull that down it'll also say copy link and you can text it out to a friend and explain to them why they should listen to this episode of the parent teacher conference called the blessing if you found this on facebook you can share it out to friends if you found it on twitter retweet it i always post my episodes on facebook at the parent teacher conference page on twitter if you can follow me at coach cullen 411 and i also post the link to each episode there as well. And of course, as always, if you have a thought, an idea, maybe even a suggestion for a future podcast, if you want to question me on something, if you want to challenge me on something I said in this episode, or just to tell me, hey, 
That was a really good one. That's actually really helped. Please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. That's P's and Parent, T's and Teacher, C's and Conference, Podcast 411, ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. So what is this prayer and blessing I say to my daughters? Let me start with the prayer. And, and it's very simple. I say the same thing over and over again. Now, first, you may say to yourself, well, why do you say the same thing over and over again? Why is it the same prayer every morning? Why is it the same blessing? Or you can even say the blessing, it can be called tips to be a successful student. Why do you say the same exact phraseology over and over again? And I know that in some Christian circles, that's frowned upon It's as if it's not spiritual. And they'll often cite Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And they'll point to that and say, see, there's empty words because you're saying the same thing every single day to your daughters. From a religious and non-religious point of view, the reason I repeat the same thing every day word for word is so they don't forget it. And it also emphasizes the importance of what I'm saying, that I need to say it every day. We do a lot of things like that, don't we? You know, Think about even in school, why do you have the Pledge of Allegiance every day? That's to remind you that you are in a United States public school, that you are a citizen of the United States. And what are, what are your roles and responsibilities as a citizen? In a sense, that's why you do it. Or at least that's why I see we do it. And maybe you can think back in your own lives. What are important ideas or thoughts that, or even actions, and we think, even think at work, things that you see daily that is a constant reminder of what needs to be done or the importance of something. And that's why I repeat it every day to the to a Christian listener who does believe saying the same thing is in spiritual, it's empty words. It's not empty words. Like I, I think you just realized after what I just said there in the beginning of why I do it like that, you have to admit that they're not empty. There's purpose. And when you hear what I say, I think you're going to agree that this is good stuff. So I'll say it as if I'm saying it to my daughter. Here's the prayer. Dear Lord, Please be with Maddie today. Protect her from all physical and emotional harm. Help her to show the love of Jesus to her friends and teachers. Help her to choose what is right according to the Bible. In your name I pray, amen. If we break down the prayer, it really comes down to two things that I'm praying for that happens in that school day. One is that she's protected from harm. I don't want to see her physically hit and I don't want to see her bullied with words. The second part of the prayer is what I hope she will be like to others. That she'll show love to them. You know, the love of Jesus, I always think about grace, understanding, not, not coming at mistakes of her friends and teachers with an unforgiving heart. The second point is to choose good. So that is the simple prayer I say every day to her. And I believe it does represent what I'm concerned about as a parent as she walks into school. I think we all are. We want our kids to be physically safe. We want our kids to be emotionally safe. And we want our children to choose what is right. And we want them, and part of choosing what is right, I should say, is how they treat others. The respect they show their teachers, the respect they show the other children around them. The second part is the successful student part. And I'm going to say it all at once and I'm going to break it down. Always smile, always say hello, always be nice to everyone, and always do your best. Daddy loves you very much and so does Jesus. Okay, the first line, always smile. For those of you who are listening who know me very well, you are going to say I am such a hypocrite. I 
it is well known that I do not smile a lot. In fact, if I have to go back and think about the number one criticism that my students have had, the one I've heard, like they might have other criticisms they say behind my back, but the ones they feel comfortable with saying to my face, the number one criticism has been, and this goes back to when I was in my 20s in Connecticut, you never smile. And when I had a child, I started thinking about that. And you can't teach a dog new tricks. And as I've said, one of my friends said this one time to me. It's a buddy's wife. And she said the whole idea, you never smile. Or was it on Facebook it was posted? I don't remember. You know, I think I may have posted this idea that students have always told me I don't smile. And she says, you know, you don't. You really don't smile much. And my response to her was, just because I don't smile doesn't mean I'm not happy. And I'll give her a lot of credit. She thought about it, just paused, thought about it, and looked at me. She goes, you're so right. I, I can agree with that. You, are, you, are, you seem like you're always happy. You, you're always in a good mood. You may not smile, but I wouldn't say you're somebody who's unhappy or like a downer to be around, right? So first step is, yes, I understand. For those of you who know me, I don't smile a lot. But hey, just because I don't smile doesn't mean I'm not happy. But secondly, so why do I tell this? Why do I say this is important for my child? Because when I started thinking about school and life in general, who are the people you're drawn to? I am going to say what I've learned in teaching is people, kids who smile. Kids who smile a lot. Children are other children other people are naturally drawn to. Even when I was in the dating mode, you won't even say it to this aspect, not that I want one of my little children to be dating and chasing boys at a young age, but when I was dating, I, I remember saying, thinking to myself, you know what makes people just more attractive or more girls attractive to me? Are their smiles? I, I, you know, in a sense, I believe people who smile up their attractiveness by a few points just because they're always smiling. I can even think of my first, what I remember as my first, the first time I ever laid eyes on my wife. We were at a pool party with a bunch of twenty-somethings. My friend Brian came over to me and said, "Hey." Let's throw, help me throw Alyssa into the pool. Now, her friends were defending her because she needed to go out that night. She actually didn't come in a bathing suit. She only came to the party for a few hours. And I go, where is she? And she go, he goes, he's over, she's over here, come on. So I, we went over and I looked at her. And he goes, there she is, we got to throw her in. And all of a sudden, a big smile broke across her face. And it just hit, it drew my attention to her. And the whole time we were trying to chase her down, she had this smile and she was laughing. And I was like, wow, I've never seen her. Who is that girl? We didn't throw her in. Her friend stood up for her because she was all dressed to go somewhere else. But after she left, I turned to my other friend, John, and said, hey, do you know who this girl Alyssa is? And he says, oh yeah, I, I've met her a couple times. And that was the start. It started with a smile that drew me in. Now, from her end, you would have to ask her what drew her into me because obviously, it definitely wasn't my smile. So smiling is very important for your child to know because a smile tells people you're approachable. Not smiling, especially like me, kind of makes people believe you're unapproachable. And I've had friends tell me that. They say, you look pretty intimidating. And the reality is, I am not intimidating at all. When you get to talk to me and get to know me, you're like, like one person said, I'm like a big stuffed teddy bear. And I think the stuffed means I'm a little overweight. But I think the point is smiling, if I were to smile, it would better match my personality. And that is why I emphasize that. And you'll see in these little statements, they grow upon each other. 
So it starts with showing people you're approachable. And the easiest, least intimidating way to do that is just to smile. That's fully in your control. All right, the next line is the first one that you're going out on a limb. You're exposing yourself to rejection. At the same time, there's a low risk involved. And sometimes there can be great reward. The second line I say is always say hello. Always say hello. And that's to people you're walking around the hall with. I'm not saying if you're in a conversation with a friend in the hallway, they should turn, hello, hello, hello. But especially during passing of classes, what I am saying is if you're walking down the hallway and it's you and another kid, or even you and a teacher, my child, any child, every teacher, I think, every teacher should just look at the person and say, hello. It's so simple and so friendly. I'm about to say something or use an analogy that makes all of this sound underhanded or manipulative. And, and it's not. I'm just saying, if you think about what the two things I've said so far, always smile, always say hello, the smile has very little risk. It's all on you. If a person accepts it, they do or not, nobody's going to go to you and say, stop smiling. You know, it, there's not, not to your face. It's easy. There's no risk involved. It's all on you. A smile, however, can be very powerful. It's like a fisherman who casts his line. The smile is the bait. That's what I mean by, I know this is going to sound manipulative, but I'm not trying, you know, maybe I should, now I'm going to use the analogy. So the smile is like you cast the debate. The hello is you're reeling it in. And what you're reeling in is a possible lifetime friendship. Think about it. All the great friends in your life at one point weren't your friends. And I would assume that most of those great friends you have in your life started with the word hello. Right? Think about how many friendships you have that started out by you or the other person just saying a very simple five-letter word, hello. You know, on the first day of school, we teachers typically try to do these icebreakers to get kids comfortable in the classroom, comfortable with the teacher, comfortable with each other. Yet the greatest icebreaker that has ever been designed is the word hello. And yes, it does come with a risk. Now, most people aren't going to be jerks. They're probably just going to say hello back and just go on their way. Most times you say hello, there won't be a connection between you and the other person you say hello to. But it's just a nice gesture. And yes, some people can look at you and turn their heads the other way or give you a sneer. How dare you say hello to me? That's what I mean by you're setting yourself up for rejection. But it's a low risk. Let's be honest, most people aren't jerks. There are jerks out there, and sadly, in the school building, there will be kids who do think, why is this kid saying hello to me? But, but being honest, I think most kids appreciate it in a very small way. Not that they're going to appreciate it to the point of the next day in school, they're going to sit with your child at the lunch table way, but just in an appreciative way. And sometimes, and speaking from a teacher, I'm going to give you a personal experience story with this, the word hello, how powerful it can be for somebody who needs it. Sometimes hello is something a child just needs to hear from somebody. When I was a freshman in high school, I was being picked on on the bus on the way home from school for a few days. It was maybe a week or two. But it was really getting to me, really getting me down. I was not having the greatest first year experience in school, high school as it is. It was bigger than what I was used to. And I didn't go to a very big high school, but it was a regional. So my small town went to this other school's town's high school. But it was a re- you know, even though it was their ta- in their town and everything was about their town, we were there. It's, you know, it's interesting. I teach 
in a district that's similar. It's a K through eight district that goes to a regional that happens, the building happens to be in another town. And I'm sure some of my students may express some of the same feeling, but this isn't about that. This is about going to a regional, feeling a little lost, it's a little bigger, um, friends are going in different directions, and, I, and now I'm getting picked on by some of the older kids. And I, I remember one day saying, I don't want to go home on the bus. There is a late bus. I mean, I could have walked home, uh, but that would have been a maybe a 45-minute walk. But I took the late bus. The late bus was if you had a club after school, if you needed extra help. The, the original bus left around 2.30. The late bus left at 3.30. So, but I had nothing to do. I was in a club. I didn't need extra help. So I went to the library. I read a little bit. I walked around the school all by myself, just walking by myself, wondering, does anybody even notice? Does anybody even care? Uh, you know, have you ever had that in your life? And I know that as a high school fresh, freshman and you're going through a change from childhood to adult and there's different chemicals crash in your body and your emotions are up, it feel the weight feels a lot heavier that just no one cares. And I happened to be walking through the hallway again by myself just killing time because that's all I was there for doing, killing time so I wouldn't get picked on the bus again. And I was walking past a girl that I grew up with. She, we graduated together, same class. And she was very attractive. So, of course, one of the upperclassmen started dating her right away. And they were together walking around. She was probably taking the late bus because her boyfriend was from the town where the high school was in, where she lived in my town a few miles away. So she was probably taking advantage of the late bus just to spend an extra hour with him. So they were walking down one end of the hallway. I was walking towards them. And they were talking and laughing like young couples do, holding hands. And she just stopped and looked at me. She said, hi, Kevin. I, I returned, returned hello. And that meant a whole lot. Because the whole time up until that time, Nobody said a word to me. And there were people in the library. It's not like nobody was around. Not many people around, but it wasn't like nobody was around. Nobody had reached out and said a word to me. And I was feel I just needed somebody to recognize I was there. But the story gets a little better. So she says hi to me, and that meant so much. I said hello back. And as I walked by them, I could hear the next conversation between her and her boyfriend. Her boyfriend asked, who's that? And she responded, that's Kevin. He's a really nice guy. She doesn't know how much I needed to hear that at that time. And that wasn't even to my face, right? She didn't realize I could still hear what they were talking about. But more than just the hello, that little extra that happened is what I needed at the time. Heck, I would have been fine with just the hello. And that's why it's important to say hello. Because you never, yeah, I go, yes, saying hello could be the start of a great friendship. That's one of the reasons that you do it. That's the benefit you get. You never know when you start saying hello to somebody where that relationship is going to go. At the same time, it sometimes that word hello is just what somebody needs to hear doesn't make take much sometimes to make somebody's day to make somebody feel like I'm valuable somebody recognized me so that's why I think it's important that you tell your child always say hello it could be the start of a great friendship or it could be something someone just needs to hear I hope you're enjoying what you're listening to so far on The Blessing. I just want to remind you, if you have any comments or questions about anything I'm saying, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. That's P as in parent, T as in teacher, C as in conference podcast, 411, all one word, ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. And also reminding you that if you believe this is valuable for a parent that you know to hear things that a teacher says 
These things are important to remind your child of, even on a daily basis, when they go into the school building. Remember, tell them to start listening to the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. They can find it on Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Look for the guy with the coffee mug and the baseball hat on. Look for the episode, The Blessing. Of course, you can always copy the link and send it out to them or find it on, find the listing for it on Facebook on the Parent Teacher Conference page or on my Twitter account at Coach Cullen 411. I always post them there as well. All right, back to the episode. All right, so now you have always smile, always say hello. The next one is always be kind to everyone. And that kind of goes back to the prayer I was talking about earlier, where I pray for my child's safety, but I also pray for how they behave, how they act, what they're presenting to other people. I want them to choose good. I don't want them to be known as a bully. I don't want them to be known as arrogant. When my oldest daughter was young, we lived in a very white predominant area. And my daughter is biracial. She stuck out. And I think there have been some issues with that that have lingered even when we moved to a more diverse area. And for the most part, the kids were very nice to her. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to blast the majority of people there. There, you know, family she was invited to birthday parties. She had not a lot of friends, a few friends, and they were good friends, and those families interacted with us. I do have to slip in there, and I I might have mentioned this on other podcast, that there was an active clan the next town over, it probably bled over into the our boundary as well. Yeah, you, you kind of wonder, like Northern Jersey, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can tell. If I told you to town and tell, told you to look up pictures, you would. That's one of the pictures you would find. Is um, they they cleaned the road. They you know how you adopt the road. The clan back in the '90s adopted this state highway to clean, and they took some publicity shots. Let's put it that way. And there were some tense moments with that. Not much. Like I said, the majority were great, and we always t- told her, look at how. Everybody else, the majority, that like over 90% of the kids and their parents are treating you. Focus on the good. But anyway, going back to my story about my daughter, but she was still, and again, I think this all affected her. So she tended to be withdrawn, very, very quiet. One day, my youngest was involved in like youth soccer, like preschool soccer. And they're just, of course, it's them just following a ball around in a little pack. We always say it's like um, Pigpen in, in Charlie Brown, right? How he, as he moves, the dust kicks up, and that's what's happening on the soccer field with little kids. They just follow the ball. They don't stay in any position. They just follow the ball as if dust is kicking up. My oldest daughter, we were there watching my wife and myself, my oldest daughter. And my oldest daughter was probably in first grade or maybe in second, early second grade. How to go to the bathroom. And she didn't want to play soccer. She had tried t-ball the year before. So we were walking to the bathrooms in this park in town. And we were walking by the second grade rec soccer program. And they were having a practice. And as we were walking by, all the kids stopped playing. It was kind of funny. They, They didn't listen to their coach. They stopped playing to say hello to my daughter. It was again that was very special. It kind of showed that despite problems, people were still kind to her. And that's one thing I've always felt about my daughter. She could be very quiet, she very introverted. However, and shy. And there's a difference between shy and introvert that I can talk about, but not in this episode. Um, okay. I'm introverted, I'm not shy. It does take me a little longer to start warming up to people. But if, I, if I'm in a conversation, I am definitely not shy. An introvert just gets their energy from being alone. Being in crowds or parties drains somebody like me. I got to be honest, teaching drains me. It's more of an extroverted action. Where extroverts thrive for being, with being around crowds. But introvert doesn't necessarily, mean, doesn't necessarily mean shy. My daughter was introverted and shy. 
But here's what I recognized throughout that experience where it's understandable why she was like that because as a young girl, she saw herself as very different. And of course, it was compounded by a student or two who would express their racist views towards her or to the class because that, that ideology was bleeding over from the next town over. Despite all that, she was always kind to the kids. I always noticed that. And that, and, and that episode at the soccer field reinforced that. That no, most of those kids weren't friends with her. I saw her interact with them, um, but they weren't friends with her. We go to class parties, class you know, school functions, and we knew who her, her friends were. Like there was one or two girls that, and and one boy, who I thought should run for mayor. He's he's just kind to everybody, who would interact with my daughter. But I always said this. I go, and I think this is, holds true even till today. That my oldest daughter, despite being introverted and shy, will always be the one that you don't mind having around. If she's in your group, you're not going to mind having her in her group because she's a nice kid. She's not going to overturn the apple cart. She's not going to demand her own way. She's not going to sit there quietly. She is shy, but she'll get involved in the work. She, She knows that's the right thing to do. And... No, she's not going to be the standout leader. But you're not going to mind her being in your group. And that's what, when I saw those kids stop on the soccer field to say hello to this introverted and shy kid, that confirmed to me that at that young age, that's what she was. And I, I knew her from a young age. That's why I always said to my wife, she's going to be. She's not going to be the leader. She's not going to stand out. But she's going to be that kid that if she's around you, you're really not going to mind because she's a good kid. And... How those kids stop their soccer practice just to say hello confirmed that to me. That's the benefit of being good. It's not even that there's a benefit to it. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do even if you don't get don't get anything in return. And that's something my parents always taught me. You do what is right because it's right, not because of what you get out of it. I can and I think we need to tell our children that. And that's why we say. Always be nice to everyone. My father, the best story I can give you about my parents showing me that you do what is right because it's right. My dad, my dad's mother, my grandmother, after my grandfather died, lived with her sister in this house about 40 minutes away from our house. My grandmother died in the early 90s. My aunt lived to see the new millennium. She lived to over, I think she lived to 104 or 105. She was mowing her lawn into her 90s, but eventually it wasn't a big lot, so it wasn't a lot to mow, but it got to be too much for her. So my dad would take a trip up maybe once every two weeks and cut her lawn. If there was something wrong in the house, he'd fix it for her because it was his aunt and it was the right thing to do. Now, the story goes that my aunt, Great aunt, in her will, had a portion for my dad. Now, before you say, oh, that's why your dad was doing it, let me tell a little more of the story. And you'll understand that my dad was doing what was right because it was right. She had a brother who was a, a bunch of years younger. He's actually, he was, I think he was closer in age to my dad than he was to my great aunt, my great uncle. And... The story goes, I don't, it's allegedly, allegedly, the will was changed and my father was taken out and he received everything, my, the great uncle. And I, I think the reasoning was, this is what I've heard, the reasoning was this, there would be a huge argument among the other, her other nieces and nephews. Why my dad and not them? And he, and he had a bunch, like well over, I think well over 10 um, cousins. And she didn't have any kids. So he said, you know, I'm the last surviving of the brothers and sisters. So it should go to him in order to stop legal fights. So the will was changed. My father knew this. He continued to cut the lawn. He continued to go up there and see what she needed fixed or help her out till her Tilly, I think she finally moved into a nursing home near the in the last year of her life. 
but still he would check up on the house. It wasn't about, it was never about gaining the inheritance. It was always about choosing to do what is right, even though he did not get a benefit for it. And I think our children need to know that. You do what is good. You be kind, not because you necessarily will receive a benefit, but just because it is the right thing to do. So if you've been listening so far, always smile, always say hello, always be kind to everyone. And again, that includes your teachers and being respectful to them. Always smile, always say hello, always be kind to everyone. All of these are dealing with interpersonal skills. In a school building, that is something you need. You're going to be with kids just like you. You're not going to need it in the school. You're going to need it well beyond school. That, more than anything else, your ability to relate to people is, go is the most valuable skill of all. I mean, think about it. If you're a science whiz, and you're going to be an engineer, but you lack interpersonal skills, that could hold you back in your pursuing the career you actually want. You could have a perfect SAT score in math, have A pluses in all your science classes. What could be holding you back is that you never developed interpersonal skills. And a lot of the training for developing your interpersonal skills is how you relate to your fellow classmates in the hallway, and in the lunchroom. It's only the last statement that deals with schoolwork. Always smile, always say hello, always be kind to everyone, and always do your best. And what is your best? That was something my father always struggled with me about. Because sometimes he knew I was not doing my best. I always tell the story about math, where that was the only class I ever received a D in in high school for a marking period, was calculus. And then I said, it just kind of clicked. Now, the D in calculus is a whole other story because my father knew I was putting out the effort. I was going in for extra help. I was trying to figure out why I was getting a D. But in other math courses, he would be correct. I was getting C's in trigonometry really because I wasn't putting in the effort. And that's what frustrated him. Now, some class, like in history, I remember in U.S. history course, and this is probably one of the reasons why I'm a history teacher today. U.S. history sophomore year, I told my students once, they said, what was your best grade? And I said, U.S. history. They go, um, what was your lowest grade? I go, 96. And they go, oh, how many times did you get a 96 all year? I said, once. They go, once? They go, yeah, I got one question wrong the whole year. I And I really didn't put much effort out. I, I just, you know, kind of knew the course. I did everything I was expected to. I got A pluses across the board. There were other classes that I needed to put the effort out. Science, I struggled. I had no aptitude for science, but I refused to put the effort out. And that frustrated my dad. At least put your complete effort out and find out what you really could get in these classes. Now, my daughters always know that. Like my frustration at times with one of my children is she doesn't do all the work in a timely manner. And I say to her, okay, you're getting a C right now in this class. Let's say chemistry class. You're getting a C. And sadly, the when I approached the teacher in kind of in frustration about this, because she was missing a bunch of assignments, the teacher was like, oh, that's what she is, a C student. I'm like, no, she isn't. She isn't a C student. She is presenting as a C student because she isn't doing everything she can. She's not trying her best. I mean, I get it. I, I did not like science either. But you have to take it. You had to buckle down. But when the teacher said that, in a nice way, I said, but we don't know if that's true. She's not trying her best. She's not giving it her full effort. If she did, she wouldn't be in the C range. 
she would have these missing assignments done. She would gain the benefit of doing the assignments when it comes to an assessment. But I've never, and I did share this as well, I never tell my child they have to get A's. I've never said that. I even told my daughter when we talked about missing work, I said, have I ever said to you, you need to get an A? No, you always need to try your best. And missing assignments and not studying, that's not trying your best. If you do all that and the best you can do is a C, it's kind of like what I told you my experience with calculus was. I got a D second marking period. It was the one time I was so afraid. But my father said to me, hey, I see you doing the work. I know that you go in for extra help. This is a college-level course. It's hard. It was amazing. And you know what happened? The last bargain period, I got an A in calculus. It clicked. I don't know what it was. It finally, sometime in the middle of the third marking period, all of a sudden, I remember being in a class with my calculus teacher, and we're doing something. I'm like, I get it. I understand this now. And it just started flowing. And I went to a B, from a D to a B, and from a B to an A. And that's what I, and but that's an issue of trying your best. You don't know what you can accomplish if you don't try your best. But in this same vein, I think as parents, we have to understand that sometimes always doing your best isn't going to be an A. Is your child doing everything they can? And if they fall short of that A, are you willing to say, okay, that's my kid. My kids just have an aptitude in that class. That's okay. Honestly, I think the interpersonal skills are much more needed than the academic grades when it comes to being successful in life. And that's coming from a teacher. What is more important for a parent isn't to emphasize A's, it's to emphasize effort. I know a lot of parents who have come to me during parent-teacher conferences and ask in a fair way, you know, what held my child back from getting a B or even an A? And I'll, what I always do, the parents for years have always said this. I've always, you know, they've been concerned. They're like, listen, I see my child studying for your tests. I see my, put the effort in, and it just doesn't seem to get them any better than a B. So what I started doing was giving extra credit paragraphs, figuring this way it always is going to help with their writing. It will help them research a little bit, not a lot. Sometimes they have to talk to their parents. Like one of my favorite assignments ever for extra credit has was is the first one. And it's ask your parent, what was their favorite topic to study when they were in middle school in history class? And that's always a fun one uh, to read and see what my children's parents liked about their history experience in middle school. And the other positive is it gets parents and their children talking about school, and specifically my class. But these assignments take no more than 15 minutes. It's not a lot of work. Often they take about five. And when a parent sees that their child did, I usually give five out. And when a parent sees their child did none of them, they're like, oh, they deserve to be. They could have put that effort in. And in a way, that becomes my grading for effort. If you're willing to do a little more, there's always going to be a benefit. That's really trying your best, right? And that is the thing I think our students, our children, and students, need to learn. People are successful in life when they're willing to put out a little more effort. That take, do something one step beyond what they thought they were capable of. When an opportunity presents itself, like extra credit, they take advantage of it. I think that is a powerful lesson to learn and what I, I'm trying to teach to my students in seventh grade. Yes, I'm teaching history. I realize that. I'm teaching history. But these little skills that go along in the course of a school day, such as remembering your uh, bring a pen or pencil, you're responsible. Here's an extra credit assignment. It's not necessarily about the grade, it's about the attitude. You do it because you realize an opportunity has been presented to make yourself a little better. There's no risk other than the fact they may lose, you're going to lose maybe 15 minutes of your time. 
that's what you give up. Very low risk because everything in life's a trade-off, right? But that's what you're losing. Is it worth 15 minutes at the most of your time to take advantage of this extra credit? And if you don't, can you honestly say you've tried your best? Now, my daughters swim. My youngest is getting very into it now in a middle school level. She participates on this club team throughout the year. My oldest had a lot of natural abilities to swim. She wanted to be, we had, we had one of those cheap Intex pools that you buy at Walmart that was basically made out of like, I think it's um, some kind of vinyl material. You put up some posts, you fill it up with water. It's about four feet high. She wanted to be, she would go in there if it was like 60 degrees out at the end of August. She didn't care. And my wife and I always had this argument, you know, the idea of now going back to doing your best, what's your best? And we had two different emphases when she was in a summer league swim team. And there were some girls on her team that were taking lessons year round. They were very good. My daughter could hold her own just because of her natural ability. She was, I would say, a little above the average when she was younger. But then it came down to the argument between my wife and I. My wife wasn't an athlete. She was in the band. She was a she played the flute and then she was a baton twirler. I forget what it's called. If you're if you're in marching band, you know. She loved marching band. Really had some great experiences with it. And that's awesome. For me, I was the athlete. Baseball mostly was my predominant sport. I'm very competitive, um, even though I try not to show it. That's another story for another day. But my wife would tell my daughter, always do your best when you're in a race. You know, when she's racing in the summer league, always do your best. And I would turn to my daughter and say, the goal is to win. Your goal is first place. And my wife and I had this discussion. I said, she said, well, if you always try your best, then you're always, you always have the possibility of coming in first because you're doing your best. And I said, no, your mind doesn't work like that. You need a goal at times. You need what are you trying to achieve? And in a race, you're trying to come in first. When I'm playing baseball at bat, I'm trying to get a hit. Now, the best I could possibly do might be striking out. The pitcher had a better time with me than I did. And that might be, he just had unbelievable stuff that day. I'm still mad that I struck out because I didn't accomplish my goal which was to get a hit. I don't sit there and say, well, I, tr I gave my best effort. It, that could possibly very well be true. But I think it teaches us to settle. Well, I did my best. And human nature is to lower the bar for ourselves so we can always feel like we've done our best. We need to set that bar a little beyond what we think we're capable of doing. Even when I coach, my goal for my teams are that they play, like for my soccer team, I say, my goal is that every game you play one step quicker than you played the game before. You make one better pass than you did the game before. You take one better shot than you did the game before. You make one better save than you did the game before. You, you raise that bar, hey, you did a great game, had a great game here. Don't settle. Take it to the next step. Always believe that you can play one step better than you can imagine. Same thing in the classroom. Don't settle. Always put the A as your goal. And if you can honestly say at the end, I did everything I could to get there, I got a B. That's much better than saying, I'm going to do my best and get a B well, and just say, that's my best. That's my personal feeling. And actually, it changed for my wife my daughter was in a race, I think sometime in middle school. And you could tell she, she swam. Her form is great. Everybody's always said for years, her form is great, but she wasn't extending herself. She really wasn't going as quickly as she should move to the water. My wife turned to me and said, she should have won that race. In my daughter's mind, she was giving her best. Her form was great. But she definitely wasn't moving as quickly as she could, as we've seen her in other races. And for the first time, my wife looked at her at the end of the day and said, you know, you had a great day today, but that race, 
I forget which it would it was. It's a butterfly or the freestyle or backstroke. She goes, that race, you should have won. And it was the first time I think it, it she caught on to the idea that you set that goal. The, when you're in a race, the goal is to win it. And to improve, you don't need to win it. You just want to get a little faster, right? So you, if you set the goal as, I want to come in first, then you start thinking, what do I need to do in practices to improve myself to move closer to that goal? And of course, the great thing about running and swimming is it's really you against you. There are going to be some people who are unbelievably good. But if you say, how do I get to be like them? Then you start watching them. You start seeing their technique. And you may not ever beat them, but you can always improve your time. And then you can honestly say, I did my best. And the last statement of the blessing is really important for your child to know as well. Daddy loves you very much, and so does Jesus. Now, of course, the Jesus part is part of our Christian faith. That is something that I am teaching my child, which I believe many of you listening are teaching your children about your faith, your religious faith. And it's very for me, it's very important for them to know there's something, someone even greater than their dad that is concerned about them, that loves them, that is watching over them. But the idea of daddy loves you very much, what that means for my child is this. You know, sometimes you're not going to always smile. You're not always going to say hello. You're not always going to be kind to everyone. And you're not always going to do your best. But despite that, despite that the failing to live up to the best that you can be and the friendliest you can be, despite that we all fail, even daddy, I am still going to love you. I am still going to be there for you. I am still going to hug you when you disobey me and you find out the reason I did not want you doing something was because the risk of you getting hurt, mostly emotionally, sometimes physically, was just too great. And I didn't want you to do it. That's why I said, no, you defied me. You did it. And now you're hurting. You know who's going to be there for you? Me. I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm going to hug you and tell you again, as I have always say every day, I love you. I think a child needs to know that because they are going to make mistakes. They're not going to be the perfect little beings that you are hoping to create. Even if a parent does everything right, their child is not perfect. None of us are. We're all imperfect. We're all limited. So me saying daddy loves you very much and so does Jesus is just a gentle reminder. No matter what, I will be there for you. And your God will be there for you. In a world full of change, in a world full of imperfection, in a world where you do things right, but somebody else doesn't and it affects you physically, emotionally, Kids need to know there is some stability there. Kids need to know there are people in their lives, especially their parents, who they have the closest relationship with, that will always be there for them, no matter what. So as I wrap up this episode, I'm just going to share again the prayer and the blessing that I give my daughters on a daily basis. Dear Lord, please be with my child today. Protect her from all physical and emotional harm. Help her to show the love of Jesus to her friends and te teachers. Help her to always choose what is right according to the Bible. In your name I pray, amen. Always smile, always say hello, always be nice to everybody, and always do your best. Daddy loves you very much, and so does Jesus. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting.
If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.